Hey friends, Pastor Andy here. So glad that you're joining us this morning uh, online. And we really hope that you've enjoyed worship and that you've enjoyed uh, all of the things that our staff is putting out online. And we hope that you, that you continue to engage uh, as much as possible. Uh, something that's really, really exciting about this new technology is that we can all be quarantined at home and yet we can all still be connected. So wanted to just thank you for your continued faithfulness and thank you for um, being here with us this morning. So get your Bibles out. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 40 this morning. So if you can, take a moment, pause the video, go grab your Bible and open it up basically to the direct middle of your Bible. That's Psalm 40, um, or that'll be the Psalms, and then go to Psalm 40, and then we can start. Okay. I wanted to give you a quick update about what's happening in the life of our church. Um, so number one, your care teams are working already. Groceries, medicines are already being delivered. Uh, also funds are being delivered. So money from the deacons funds are being distributed to multiple families this week. And your faithful and generous giving has made the difference for families this week already. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, also wanna let you know that um, we've had so many of you engage already online and that's been exciting. So hopefully, you know, let your friends know uh, about how they can get resources and call people in the church that maybe don't are not aware and be able to connect with them. So it's really important that we stay connected during this time. So I wanted to give you all that good news right up front because your church is functioning, your church is working. Uh, that's because you're doing that. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your willingness to help. Thank you for your engagement. Before we do anything else, um, let's pray, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for my friends. Thank you for the work that you're doing in their life, even in this time of sorrow and grief. Jesus, as we read your word today, I pray for each person here that is engaging right now, that your spirit would rest upon them, that your peace would cover them, that you, Holy Spirit, would open up our eyes and our ears to who you are. So we trust you and we love you and we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you want to, read with me out loud, <laughs> just like we do on Sundays. Okay, so Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. So this is a great, this is one of my most favorite psalms. Uh, you too did a song called 40 years and years ago, 25, 30 years ago, uh, which is one of my favorite U2 songs as well. Uh, so you can look, at, look, look that up on YouTube or Spotify if you want. Uh, this song and today is about grief. Our entire nation is in grief. Grief is when you lose something or someone that is absolutely precious and irreplaceable. And we've lost a lot. We've lost our freedom to move. We've lost our freedom to congregate. We've 
lost financially, we've lost uh, a hope for a future even. Uh, we have friends that are sick, maybe you are sick right now, or a family member is sick right now, and we've lost our sense of peace or safety or security, and our entire country is in grief. This feeling like, what is going on, or this is surreal, or this is too much to wrap our arms around, that's a symptom of grief. And so when I preach on grief, as I've done in the past, um, it's really a little preamble is actually quite important. Number one, today's message is to, designed to give you a sense of hope. It's also designed to give you a sense of what grief does within us, because grief moves us through a process, so we'll be talking about that today. Another thing that you need to know about grief is that because you're in the middle of it, some of the things that you might hear today might not be helpful. Like they're true, but they might not resonate with you at all. And that's okay, you're in grief. Um, and I get that. Grief has been a friend in my house for a long time. So I understand what that feels like. So let's read Psalm 40 verses one and two again, and then we'll get going. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. So clearly David is in grief. He feels stuck. He, he literally feels like he's been thrown into the bottom of a cistern, uh, which was this massive underground tank that was hand carved out of the sandstone. At the bottom of it is always mud and in this miry pit because that's literally where they put the water and then the ground is down below there. There's no concrete to, to seal up the bottom of the cistern. And I said, if you, if you get lost in a cistern, or you fall into a cistern, you're dead. And that's what David felt like. He's in grief. He's crying out to God, will you please rescue me from this, this circumstance, this situation, this loss, this... My life is falling apart, God. Can you hear my cry? So he's in the cistern, and what does he say? I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. It's kind of the last thing that we do when we're in grief. First thing we do is we try and solve it on our own. The second thing we do is we try and get other people's help to solve it on our own. And then we usually thrash about and get angry and mad and sad and anxious and panicky and in denial. And, and then finally, at the very end, we start waiting patiently for the Lord because we've exhausted all of our options to solve this problem on our own. And like you and I can't solve COVID-19. Even the medical professionals then working on it alone, they can't solve it by themselves. They need each other. We need each other. So David is saying, God, I'm waiting for you. I'm in grief, I'm waiting for you. We talked last week about how, you know, we can wait with panic or we can wait with worry or we can wait in trust. And I think that's easier said than done. I had an opportunity to do this uh, this week. So today's Friday while I'm recording and on Thursday, yesterday, uh, you know, the governor's saying, hey, look, shelter in place. And so we had until 5 p.m. to do so. And so 
I thought, you know what, I'll go to JJ's Market up here on the Mesa and buy some fruits and vegetables that we are running low on. Of course, my definition of running low is that the fridge isn't packed to the max. And so, so I go to the grocery store and I actually see people from the church and waving hi and then get through the checkout line. And there's this young woman in front of me and she's got like two little things of berries and some like bread mix, muffin mix there. And uh, it was taking her a long time to kind of do the card, you know, you can put your card in the toaster and press the buttons and wait for it to ding and then pull it out again. And it was taking her a long time to do that. And I'm watching other lines move faster and like, you know, I'm kind of feeling it. Like half the people in the lines are wearing masks and and uh, every, everybody's got gloves on and they're PRLing their hands and stuff. And I don't have any of that. And I'm thinking, longer that I stand here, if anybody one of these has, if anybody here has coronavirus, the higher the chances that I'm going to get it. And here's this young woman; she's fiddling and fumbling, and I could feel my that tension within me that said I didn't want to wait anymore. I even had checkers like look at me, like you want to come over, because at this point I've been waiting in line for maybe four minutes which is kind of a long time with nothing happening. She's just four minutes at the card reader. And you can sense, I mean, her frustration's getting bigger, her irritation's getting larger. Like she's clearly having a hard time as well. And I've been there, I've been where she's at. You know, when your debit card doesn't work and you feel embarrassed and pressured. So I took a deep breath. And then Jesus said something interesting to me. He said, Andy, you can wait. Why is it that you're waiting? So then I began to pay attention to this woman. And this young lady told the checker, I'm so sorry, I just lost my job two days ago. I thought I had put money in my debit account. I'm not sure what's going on. And she began to walk away. And the bagger said, no, 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 come back. Let's try it a different way. And so they, you know, rubbed the card on the sleeve and said, let's press this button. We'll try it as credit and maybe it'll, and that didn't work. And then she was about to walk away from her food a third time. And then she said, well, maybe I'd have a different card. And so she tried a different card, but her other credit card was maxed out. And then she was going to walk away a final time. And I realized why it is that I was waiting behind her. It's like $13 worth of food. But to her, it was a big deal. And so I got to say yesterday, I'll buy your food. And that was awesome. I felt great. It felt great to be able to be a help. And we've had people already delivering medicine to us, um, helping us. So it feels so good to, to give back. And you know that feeling and you understand that feeling. and. I know you would have done the same thing if you were there. You see, what I had not realized is that in the waiting, God wanted me to do something. In fact, God wanted me to wait there in that moment because if I had not waited behind her in the check stand line, I would not have been able to buy her groceries. If I had just bypassed waiting and gone to another lane, then she would have walked away from her food. But I got to tell her, you're not alone. And I got to watch her struggle with the amazement that a stranger would be kind to her. And I got to watch her say thank you to me and the checker and the bagger 
and I got to talk to the checker and the bagger, both of whom love Jesus, and we all got to marvel at what it's been like to help people in times of need. You see, waiting can do things that we would never imagine. And the hard part about waiting is that you're in grief often when you're waiting. We've lost so much and all of us are waiting right now in grief. And I want to give you a message of hope that God has good things planned for you and me and this country and this world. He's doing things in this waiting that would never be able to be done. He's drawing us together. He's helping us see what is most important. See, verse 3, Psalm 40, verse 3, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. What is David saying? Many will see and then fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is this idea that God is bigger than whatever problem I'm facing. Fear means awe or wonder, but it also has a sense of fear. So, wait a minute, I thought there is no fear in perfect love. Well, what the Hebrew uh, writers of the Old Testament, what they would, the reason why they use the fear of the Lord is because they wanted to help us understand that when we see God, what we see is God who is bigger than our circumstances, bigger than our problems. Like, you need to understand like that the weight of God in your life is way bigger than what's going on right this now with the world shutting down. Like, if we're going to be afraid of coronavirus, we need to be way more in awe of the weight of God's presence and action and faithfulness in our life right now. And when you see that, something happens. You start to figure out what's really important. You start to figure out, like, why it is that you're here. You start to figure out who you really are and what or who truly brings you peace and comfort and security. So David talks about this, verse four. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud to those who turn aside to false gods. And David knows full well what this is like. He's done this in his life. He's saying, look, it's better when I trust God. And this grief has helped me see that. Like I finally figure it out. Every time I've tried to scoop up money or success or security or self-reliance independent of God, exclusive of God, every time I've tried to build anything independent of God. It's like I'm picking up sand and, and it runs through my fingers. And, and that process of grief, of sorrow, oh my gosh, I've lost an opportunity, a time. I've spent months on this job or this relationship and I was never designed to do that. I was never called to be in that place. I was never asked to do that job description. It's actually me trying to 
live apart from God, that's what an idol is. It's me trying to be God, to make a substance or a thing do Jesus' job. And David says, grief, waiting, it helps you figure out what's going to work and what's going to not work in your life. And man, that's, that's painful. That's really painful. I wish it wasn't so. It's, grief is a terrible gift in that way. For a long time in my house, it's been an unwelcome guest. And during Jonah's seizures and then brain surgery and April starting to lose her eyesight, I started to realize that I could be resentful that grief was in my life or I could, I could be okay. That this thing that called grief and waiting was in my life and that God was going to do something good through it. Verse 5. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. What is David saying? He's saying, oh man... I, God, I finally see like that you've been working in my life all the time. And this is another thing that grief does, is it kind of helps you see that God has been there and working all the time. And David is getting like, why didn't I see this before? Like, why did I spend all this time making foolish decisions instead of actually saying, oh my gosh, God, you're there, you love me, you're with me, you, you care about me, so I'm going to put the weight of my spirit and my life and my relationships and my security and my safety and my finances in your hands and I will wait for you. But we don't do that, right? We freak out. We, we do all sorts of things first before we trust God. And then finally, when you trust God and see that it works, you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this to begin with? Well, welcome to humanity. That's what we do. Then David says this, verse 6. Now he kind of, now he wants to tell us how it works. This is great. Verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened, literally pierced open. It's as though his ears were shut and God had to like poke a hole through the earwax. But my ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. What is David saying? Well, the first thing that we do when we're in grief is that we bargain with God. We try out our religiosity. Well, can I offer you a sin offering? Can I offer you a burnt offering? God, is there a magic prayer that I can say in just the right order? Right? In Jesus' name, amen. Like, like we start trying to pull the levers on this machine called prayer, hoping, or good deeds, hoping that if we do those things in the right order, that God will then relieve our suffering. But God isn't interested in our religiosity. Look at verse 7. When David finally figured out that he couldn't just go to church and then God would make everything better, well, he realized, oh my gosh, God doesn't want like me doing the right things in the right order, what he wants is me. Verse 7 says, Here I am. I have come. 
like it is written about me in the scroll, meaning that the scroll is, is this idea of that God has everything written out. What David is saying is like, God, I know you have a plan for me in my life. I've been trying to write my own story apart from you and what you're asking me God is to just bring myself into your presence rather than my demand lists rather than me trying to impress you or leverage you or manipulate you God what you want is me surrendering here's my life God you have it. Like you know what's gonna happen. Like it's all written out. What else can I do but just offer you myself? Verse eight. Even though David saint like even though David realizes like I'm just gonna offer you myself God that doesn't mean that he's done bargaining <laughs> verse 8 I desire to do your will my God your laws within my heart I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly I do not seal my lips Lord as you know um, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help I I don't conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly so what is what is David doing well David is presenting his resume before God see all the great things I've done for you what is he doing he's 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 trying to bargain right I mean he just said oh my gosh God you don't want my offerings uh, but by the way, see all these amazing things I've said, and I haven't said these bad things, but I have said these good things. And this is what we do in grief. We remind God how good and faithful we are, and then we demand that God do what we want. I had a, I had a friend, uh, well, I guess it was an acquaintance really, I asked him, hey so would you ever be interested in coming to church and he goes yeah I've been to church like three or four times but it didn't work <laughs> I was like what do you mean it didn't work and he's like well I'm like nothing changed I said well what did you expect and he says well I'd like show up to work and my life would get or show up to church and my life would get better and this is how we view God right his job is to make things better and my job is to you know be obedient or show up to church and then it's this nice little arrangement that's how we view about God but this is not how God works because God is most interested in you like a relationship with you your heart you that's what God wants so then in the next verse David gets his memory back Psalm 40 verse 11 David says, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. So, again, David kind of figures out, wait a minute, God's mercy can't be earned. God's love and faithfulness 
can't be earned. And he's asking God, like, have, have mercy on me, Lord. Like, I know I've said the right things in this area of my life, but then there's a whole nother area of my life that I kind of forgot in this bargaining process, which is all the areas that I've totally messed up on. And I, you know, that's what we do when we bargain. We assume that God only pays attention to the good things that we've done. And if we actually weigh them all equally, then we don't have zero bargaining powder, power. And this is what David says in verse 12. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. And just a couple of verses earlier, he said, I, I can see the Lord and I fear the Lord. But now he's saying, I cannot see. He said, there are more than the hairs on my head, and my heart fails within me. Well, David's writing in a time in which, I mean, life is lousy. His son Absalom has just led an entire rebellion against him and taken the army and half the political and or friends that David has to try and lead a rebellion against his own dad. And David has seen all this and he's realizing, oh my gosh, I deserve all of this. I was obtuse, I was selfish, I was using my power for only me. I, like everything that Absalom, all of Absalom's complaints against me are legit. And that's what grief looks like. Like when our world falls apart, like literally right now as it's falling apart, we experience grief. And so how do we get back what we've lost? How do we prevent things from further falling apart, what do we do? We, we plead for mercy. We find ourselves bargaining with God. So today is Friday, and then yesterday, Thursday was a great day. I mean, I got to deliver checks from our deacons to people in need in our church. I got to have that great moment at the grocery store with that young lady buying her groceries, and I felt like, man, today's a good day. Like, I'm trusting God. I feel good. Like, my my faith is engaged. I got to do wonderful things. God got to use me. And then I get home and my friend says, hey, he calls me on the phone and he says, hey, you know, there's this malaria drug, uh, hydroxychloroquine. Get a prescription for it now, just in case anybody in your family has the coronavirus. And so immediately, like I just felt this urgency and fear, like, oh my gosh, I've got to get this drug right now. And so I'm texting friends and calling doctors and and saying, hey, can I get this prescription drug? And they're like, no, like, if you don't have coronavirus, which I don't think I do, like you don't need it. In fact, actually the side effects could be really, really bad. And after that phone call, those phone calls and those emails, I, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm David. I'm David in Psalm 40. I am bouncing 100 miles an hour between feeling like I totally trust God and like I'm freaking out. And that's the point of Psalm 40. Like David has given us a picture of what grief looks like. So what do you do? Like, what, what do you do with all of this? Well, I think the first thing that you do is that you understand that, number one, your security during this mandatory shelter-in-place order during this coronavirus freakout, your security, your, well, it's not a freakout, this coronavirus pandemic, but all of us, of course, are freaking out to some degree, but your security, your hope, 
your piece, it's not going to come with more toilet paper. And it's not going to come with you making sure that you have everything dialed in just so. I know people who have a year's worth of food supply and two years worth of toilet paper and they're just as anxious as we are. So where is your hope and your peace going to come from? Like, how do you deal with this grief? Well, the first thing David shows us is that having all the feelings, that's okay. Like, you literally are allowed to feel all of the range of feelings. I was talking with a mom last night. Her daughter is sick, and she's panicking. Oh, my gosh, what if she has the coronavirus? And then, well, maybe it's just a cold. And so she's going back and forth, and that's where I am, too. So how do you deal with grief? You feel like all of the feelings. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith if you're feeling all the feelings. What David is showing us is that faith is actually when we trust God enough to share with him all of our feelings. The good, the bad, the ugly, the panicky, the trust, all of it. Like we're allowed to have the full range of human emotions because that's what we are. And when you feel all the feelings and share and talk about all the feelings with your spouse, with your friends, with your loved one, with God himself, grief passes. That's how you work through the grief. You talk about it all. And you wait with God as you talk to him about everything. And Jesus knows how this feels. He's sitting there in the Garden of Gethsemane, on his knees, praying with his friends. And sometimes they prayed with him, and sometimes they were falling asleep. And he poured his heart out to his Heavenly Father in grief, saying, God, I trust you, and please, if you can, take this cup from me, make it go away. See, what Jesus did in his grief is he didn't run, he didn't leave, he walked through it. And his grief cost him his life so that you and I might be saved. The profound truth of, of Psalm 40 and the good news of the gospel is this, is that Jesus is with you in your grief. He's not left you. He's not afraid of your feelings. He's not panicked by the coronavirus. He knows what's going to happen, and he's with you and everyone on this world working on our behalf right now. David ends this psalm with, again, honesty. He starts it with honesty. I waited for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry, and he ends it with verse 17. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You, God, are my only help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. And I love how David ends. He finally gets down through the sifting of the grief process, and he says this, which is the gospel. I'm way more broken than I want to admit. I am poor and needy. And I'm way more loved than I could ever dare to hope. 
but you are my help and my deliverer, God. And so we're going to live with both realities during this season of waiting and during this season of grief. Our deep need and God's deep love and faithfulness to us. Brothers and sisters, you're going to need to remind the people in your family this week that both are true and both are okay. You're going to need to listen to them and talk with them about their hardest things that they're going through. And also at the same time, you're going to be the one who's called to remind them of our wonderful Savior who is working in our midst right now. It's a vulnerable thing to face grief. It's a beautiful thing to be a human being under the canopy of God's love and care. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus loves you and He's with you. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for each one of my friends here right now. And as they grieve and as they wait, that you would reveal yourself to them more and more. That they would see you. That you would begin to outweigh their fears. That in this time, you would build in them a faith that is unshakable. God, I pray against the, the work of fear in all of our lives now, in Jesus' name. I pray against the work of despair now, in Jesus' name. I pray that you would give us hearts that would risk reaching out to ask for help. I pray that you would give us hearts that would reach out to you, Jesus, that would talk to you about everything that's going on in our lives. And God, protect us especially our healthcare workers during this time. Protect them and bless them. And all God's people said, Amen. So friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance as His delight in you and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you all.